0: everyone and welcome to the so mindful podcast where we dig into the tips and topics that will help you have great fun making clothes that make you feel fabulous i'm your host jackie blakemore of so much more fun and i can't wait to share this week's illuminating episode with you so let's roll the tape well hello my lovelies it's so wonderful to be here with you again. Here we are at episode 50. Hooray! Quite a milestone for me and also a fitting title, learning to sew in your 50s. I am definitely an advocate that it's never too late to start to learn something new. So I thought it would be fun to talk about what it's like to get started with dressmaking. For some of us, namely me, that's quite a long way back to reminisce, but for others it might be more recent. But whatever the time frame, I'm guessing that our experiences and challenges will have had some common elements. And whenever I do talk to other sewists about the lessons that they've learned as they started sewing, I always end up picking up tips and ideas that I can apply even after many years of sewing. So this week, I'm delighted to introduce you to Melanie Keane. After asking for ideas for season two of the podcast, Melanie mentioned about her experiences with buying fabric as she started to make clothes. And after a bit of a chat, she agreed to come on the podcast to share them with you too. Mel started making clothes just a couple of years ago in her 50s, and so the experience is definitely fresh in her mind. So I wanted to find out more about the challenges Mel experienced and what tips she learned from them. As you'll hear, she definitely has crammed a lot into those two years and has such a lot to share so be sure to listen out for the great strategies Mel's used to build her sewing skills in a relatively short period of time. You'll find links to all the things mentioned in the show notes on your podcast app, or go directly to muchmorefun.co.uk forward slash post forward slash episode 50. Mel is also starting an exciting community project, so listen until the end to hear how you can help. So without further ado, let's get stuck in. So I'm delighted to welcome Melanie Keane onto the podcast today. So let's start with a bit about you and how you got started with sewing. My first story into sewing was five years ago, starting
1: a day patient program at a hospital, and I knew that I'd have a lot of spare time. So a friend suggested that I try patchwork. I bought a kit from Hobbycraft and I got started. It was a big learning curve. I didn't even know how to thread a sewing machine or what a bobbin was but eventually I got there and I made a quilt which I still use today as a picnic blanket and if I was to examine it closely I would see that the squares don't all match up at the corners but it's only me that notices it and it's a great reminder of where I started.
0: Fantastic and there's a lot of pieces in a quilt, isn't there? So it's quite a lot of experimentation to get those all lined up and matched up, as you say. So I think that's quite a challenge as your first project. <laughs> well, all the squares the same size, so it wasn't
1: too much maths involved. And then in lockdown, there was a crisis about scrubs for the NHS. And a really good friend of mine, Rachel, who's a brilliant sewer, she said, would I be able to help? And she talked through what the project was. And I said, Well, maybe I could make a few scrap bags. So I started with that. And then she said, Well, I'll show you how to make some trousers. But I had no idea how to do it. I'd never looked at a pattern before. And I couldn't meet her face to face because we weren't allowed out. And so we had a few sessions over Zoom and she showed me how to put the two legs together and and sew it all up. And that's how I started dressmaking because after making quite a few sets of scrubs, the trousers, and then I progressed onto the tops. This was about a year later. I thought, well, if I can make scrubs, then maybe I could make some pajamas. And I had a go at that. And that turned out quite well.
0: And just to let everybody know, so you said you made a few sets of scrubs. Just tell everybody how many scrubs you made.
1: Well, I had a little group going. So between us, we probably made about 250 sets of scrubs, but I personally made about 100.
0: Amazing. Absolutely amazing. They're not easy. The tops for the scrubs are quite in-depth, aren't they? They're not a two-second sew.
1: They're not, no. After I'd worked on how to turn two legs into a pair of trousers, then I had a look at the top pattern. And there were all sorts of notches, facings, pockets, and they all had to be different sizes. The facings were the main problem with the neck. And the side vents I found really tricky as well. Pockets were quite easy. I was donated all the fabric, so it was quite easy to get started. And then I got the whole family involved. My husband was cutting out patterns and helping unload the fabric and things. And my son, Peter, he started to help me. And he could whiz up a pair of trousers in about 15 minutes on the overlocker. Fantastic. You got a production line
0: going, didn't you, I think?
1: Yeah, <laughs> absolutely did, yeah. And then I had a group who joined in with me. And yeah, that's how it all began.
0: And I think that's just amazing. I think the fact that that situation that was created, that definitely wasn't a good situation. Out of it, I think you weren't the only one to learn sewing in that stage or at least learn dressmaking. Because I know a lot of people who'd used quilting and had a sewing machine, but maybe hadn't made clothes before, got involved in that. And so it's great that this moved you more into that side of sewing. Yeah, it's brilliant.
1: Yeah. And my son, Peter, is now interested in alterations and things like that. A few of his bargain buys from charity shops and things.
0: Yeah, so sparked a little interest there in starting to sew. Absolutely, yes. So you made yourself some pyjamas as well, you said?
1: I did. And then I bought the Tilly and the Buttons book, Make It Simple, and I made their pyjamas. But I had no idea what type of fabric to use. So after I bought the book, I tracked down the exact same fabric that Tilly had used, and I bought that knowing that it would definitely work
0: so that was one thing I was going to ask you it's fairly recent that you started sewing and some of those lessons are still fresh in your mind and so for those people that are listening who are thinking of getting started either they're quilting or they're just starting out on their sewing journey one of the things that you mentioned when we were first talking about the podcast was the challenge of how to pick the right fabrics, wasn't it? Well, firstly, to to pick up good patterns, and we'll talk about Tilly in a second as well, but also picking the right fabrics and the experience of learning about that. Tell me a bit about your experience working with the Tilly book, because that was the first time you'd done patterns on your own, wasn't it?
1: It was, and her book is great because not only has it got detailed instructions, but it's got detailed photos of every single stage. And then if you do get into difficulty, and I only did a couple of times, you can email them and they get straight back to you, problem solved.
0: Fantastic. And I think she is great for beginners. The styles that she chooses in the books are very well considered, I think, for not putting you off. So they're not too complicated, are they? And as you say, the instructions are really good, the way that she lays those out.
1: Yeah, really good. And then I went on to another one of her books. Which is called Stretch. So then I started making T-shirts and sweatshirts.
0: <laughs> Never wants to be put off. So going from uh, woven pyjamas and then making T-shirts and sweatshirts, fantastic. Tell me a bit more about picking the fabrics then. So you found a fabric that you knew would work. Then what happened as you were choosing your fabrics?
1: So it was a bit of a nightmare journey into lots of fabric mistakes. And actually, Jackie, I was sorting out my sewing room and looking at my stash the other day. And I'm quite embarrassed by the amount of fabric I've got, which didn't work, which I'd purchased for one particular reason. Maybe I liked the look of it on the modeler or I'd read that was a good type of fabric. And then when I bought it, it was just not right. Didn't have the right drape, didn't have the right stretch, was too thin, was too thick, just looked different in the photos.
0: When you were buying your fabrics, Mel, did you start having a pattern in mind that you wanted to make and then you looked for the fabric or did you buy the fabric and then think I'd like to find a pattern to go with that? What was your process? Well, it was mainly the pattern first and then people might think, oh, well, the pattern tells
1: you what type of fabric to buy. But I didn't know the difference between all the different types of fabrics. There's even different types of linen, (laughs) linen with stretch, linen with all sorts of different mixes and the cottons as well. You can get some good quality cottons, or you can get some really cheap and and thin ones. I didn't know what rayon was, and what's
0: viscose? As you said, they're quite broad terms, aren't they? You know, cotton fabric, but there's loads of different weights of cotton fabric or styles of cotton fabric. That's a really good point that, yes, the pattern gives you a bit of guidance, but it might just as well say any woven or any stretch. That's about as much help as some of them are, isn't it? Yeah, and
1: I didn't know how to measure stretch. Is it 20%, 30%? And what's four-way stretch versus two-way stretch? So there was a, a really big learning curve. And I found a fabric which did work with a pattern, and I tended to buy a lot of it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that you mentioned as well was getting caught in the kind of sale cycle as well, you know, seeing things on sale, you know, that looks good. Tell me a little bit more about that.
1: Well, some of the larger companies, they're having sales all the time and I didn't know how much you needed to spend per meter. So, if something was 6 99 was that a good price or was it good value? I just didn't know. And I just didn't look at fabrics which are over £25 a meter. So, I would choose something then based on the pattern. I like the colour of the pattern and maybe it fitted the criteria for the pattern. When it was delivered, it just wasn't right. I enjoyed the unwrapping moment. <laughs> you get your fabric. And it's a lovely, special thing to open and and look at new fabric. And then I'd be totally disappointed.
0: Because it wasn't what you'd imagined in terms of the weight of it or the feel of it.
1: And the drape, yes. I did buy a couple of bundles of fabric. One of them was successful. had quite a few bits of stretching. But I didn't use that for about 18 months, though, until I started to make some leggings. But those bargain bags, they're only a bargain if you use them. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Anything's only really a bargain if you're going to get some use out of it, isn't it?
1: Yeah, so I think some larger companies make a lot of money out of people just buying things on a whim and not really knowing what they're buying. Whereas some of the smaller companies, they have people on hand there to advise you and got lots of tips and things on choosing different fabrics. So now I don't go to the, the big companies or I tend to shop at the smaller places.
0: And what's changed in terms of how you check fabrics now? What do you look for, you know, what, that you were perhaps looking for before? Well,
1: I know a bit more about stretch and I know a bit more about weight. I mean, denim, that's a nightmare. If you want to make a light shirt, not that I've made that many, but it's totally different fabric to making a pair of jeans. So, yeah, I'm a bit wiser when it comes to the weight of the fabric. And the pattern as well. But that's just, that just comes with experience and spending a lot of money on mistakes. (laughs) Yeah. I would just be very careful. Don't rush into anything and plan your projects. Obviously, if you see something which is amazing, you just can't resist it, then go for it. But I would, on the whole, I would say, take your time. Think about it. I think that's part of the dressmaking process. Choosing your fabric, choosing your pattern cutting it out all these things I don't think you can rush them Mm. because they all give pleasure eventually.
0: Are you a sample orderer do you order samples or do you go all in and just order the fabric? Well
1: I didn't know about samples to begin with and I thought well who wants to order 10 centimeters wait for that to be delivered and (laughs) then order your fabric but in hindsight that might have been a good investment. (laughs) (laughs) Well everyone's got a pet hate about things and I'm one of those people who hate paying for postage and packing. And so why pay for postage on samples? (laughs) Anyway, I've never bought a sample.
0: Because I didn't used to either. And and as I started to sew more and spend more, and I wanted to learn more about what fabrics feel like, because if you want to buy online, it's not the same as going in a shop. In a shop, it's much easier. But to help me learn more about different fabrics online, I ended up spending a bit of time buying some different types of samples and writing down what each one was, Mm. particularly things like you're mentioning around blends of fabrics because Mm. some of the best fabrics I've bought have been blends of like linen and viscose or cotton and polyester or, you know, whatever Mm. that might be. And the percentages of those really does affect how the fabric feels or looks or drapes doesn't it so I have a little folder now with a lot of my little samples in and I think that as you start to do more it can be really helpful yes one thing I do Jackie is when I get
1: the fabrics I keep the receipts I write it in my project group what support, how much it was a meter what the composition is. Because once it goes into a stash box, I won't be able to remember what it is.
0: That's a good discipline. So the items that you have, the fabrics that you've got in your stash now, do you think you will find patterns to suit those styles of fabric? Or have you just gone off them? <laughs> no, 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 I haven't gone off them. I mean,
1: with the stretch light, I didn't think I'd use that, but I did make leggings with it. I've been thinking that I'm just going to donate it to the sewing initiative that I'll be starting up Because they could be some great starter fabrics. And also other people have other ideas of what's going to look amazing. They're attracted to different things, different colours. And
0: some of my mistakes can be a real blessing to you know, other people. And we'll talk about your same projects before we finish as well. I'm interested to share that with the listeners as well. I have one more thing to say about fabric,
1: actually. If a fabric is a bargain, then usually it's a mistake okay it's <laughs> why it's not anybody else for it and then when you've invested a lot of time and energy in a project it's such a shame to be let down by how the fabric washes or how it hangs uh, and things like that
0: so in terms of things that have gone well then so tell me about we've talked a little bit about lessons that you've learned and and you've been sewing now a bit longer haven't you well,
1: I started off with simple T-shirts and sweatshirts, and another thing which helped me in my journey as well was I came across something called pattern testing, and I thought I do not know whether that would be for me. But one particular company started me off with it. They're called Made It Patterns, and they were looking for testers. So I just applied, and amazingly, they accepted me. Maybe because. I didn't have much experience and when a company are testing patterns, they want to test it on beginners, intermediates, advanced and to get a wide range of feedback. So they took me on and that was good because they narrowed down the fabric choices. There was a support group for any problems and the people who ran the company, they were in touch the whole time. So the pattern which I made the most of is called a hug hoodie, which comes with various different options. It's called a hug hoodie because it's got a lovely crossover band at the bottom. So you can make it snugger or wear it looser, depending on, on what you prefer. And you can have it with a hood or without a hood. So there's lots of different options there. And I was counting up the other day how many I've got. <laughs> and I've got six. Fantastic. All in lovely jersey fabric, which I bought a lot of. But the difference between them is that they've got different cuffs. And my twin sister, she saw me wearing one and said, oh, could you make me one? So that that was nice. And then I made some jogging bottoms, which are quite easy to make. But that was working with stretch. So it can be a challenge. And some of the fabrics are quite thick. So I made a few pairs of those with different variations. And then both of my sons asked me to make them some. Fantastic. So that was a real boost to my confidence, and my husband too. But now my son Peter, as I said, he's into sewing. So that went well. And then I made a few pairs of dungarees. What pattern did you use for those? I used the Hay Day dungarees. I think they're by Waves and Wild. In fact, before I made the dungarees, I made a Tilly and the Buttons Cleo pinafore dress. I've got used to the buckles and using the thicker material. So I've made maybe four pairs of heyday dunglies. But when I find a pattern that I like and goes well, then I tend to overdose on it and make two or three.
0: I think that's the trick though, in terms of helping you practice your skills. Because the first one that you make is obviously the first one. And I think we learn as we do a couple of times. And I think there's a lot to be said for once you put the effort into getting something to fit that you like is you know reusing that and you can always do variations in terms of the fabrics you choose can't you and you know how you style it yeah and another company that
1: I did some pattern testing for is called Stocks Patterns and that's run by a lady called Lindy it's a German company and she introduced me to different types of sewing sewing on bias for instance I accepted to be part of the pattern testing group and then I looked at it and thought hmm what does sewing on the bias mean but that worked out well because Again, she gave me lots of tips and things, and there was a lot of support around it.
0: That's great. So you mentioned a few people that have helped on your sewing journey so far. As you mentioned to me when we were chatting before about a few fabric companies that you have enjoyed buying from. So, is there any of those that you'd like to mention?
1: Yeah. Well, there's Green and Garney in Birmingham, run by the lovely Lauren and she has a lovely store in Birmingham which I haven't visited yet but I feel like I have because on a Sunday evening she has an Instagram chat where she shows you new fabrics and things like that and they have something called the Sewing Society and that's another thing I'd recommend actually is to buy a dressmaking kit as part of your getting into dressmaking. If you buy a kit and it comes with all the notions... And by notions, I mean the needles, the thread, the buttons, any zips, the interfacing, a lovely label which says me made, or I did it, or something like that. So that comes all prepared in a a lovely box, and that's the Sewing Society, so you can't go wrong there. It's got the pattern and the fabric. And another company which do wonderful dressmaking kits is a company called Flying Bobbins, and they're based in Surrey. And she started something called the High 5 Club. But along with her muffin kits comes video tutorial. In fact, Gasly and Garney do the videos as well. So both companies send out the detailed instructions and they have online videos.
0: Yeah, like you say, to take some of the questions away about what else do I need to buy? Or we talk about interfacing, interface. There's loads of those, there's loads of oh, types of that.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness, don't get me started on interfacing. <laughs> there's light medium heavy weight and which do you need for a hat which do you need for trousers there's different colors I never even thought about what color interfacing to use not thinking that a light one would need a light interfacing and then there's also stretch interfacing
0: there is yeah and different ones for different purposes as you say so if it comes as part of the kit it's one less decision you need to make or when you're starting out one less thing you have to learn about yeah you can go with what's supplied in the kit and then from there you can learn because you can then get the feel of it that gives you examples of what to look for next time yeah. if you want to then reuse that pattern because they yeah. include the patterns as well today do they, most of those kits
1: the gasserine garni one comes with the pattern the blind bobbins ones it uh, depends which level you go for but i would recommend getting the pattern with the kit comes beautifully wrapped and you're ready to go and you know that it's going to be
0: great i think they're great tips so is there anyone else that has helped you get going with sewing? You've mentioned a few people already. So Rachel, who helped you get started with your scrubs. And I know that you mentioned to me about Lindy at Stocks, because we talked about her helping when you were learning some of those patterns.
1: Yes, yeah. And I was drawn to Stocks patterns because of Lindy's body positivity outlook. She's all about fitting clothes to your body, not your this size or that size. It's measure your body, let's make something fabulous to go around your body and to feel good in it and to wear what you like. Embrace your size, embrace your personality. And I must mention the Sew so Over 50 podcast and group because they've been amazing. It's given me confidence to try different colours, different styles. They had something on about 18 months ago now about women wearing bright trainers with any type of clothing. But that started me off wearing trainers with dresses and things like that.
0: Yeah. They're very much more about increasing the visibility of all ages, particularly around like dressmaking patterns and dressmaking groups and things like that. I think it's amazing that the work that they're doing and the promotion and confidence they give giving people.
1: Yeah. My style has changed since I started dressmaking. I used to wear quite plain, quiet things. Something else I must mention actually, Jackie, is whilst I was making scrubs, I started Having a sort of scrub group, I would give out the fabric and then they would make the scrubs and then bring them back to me because it was all restricted. And then I would take them over to Linda Young Couture in Ascot. But because people weren't buying designer dresses or having alterations or anything like that, she opened a hub for scrubs. And so I used to take the finished scrubs over there and then I started helping her pack them up and get them ready to be sent to the hospitals and things like that. And then one day she said, oh, sit down and I'll show you how to sew a dress. And so she gave me some beautiful short silk fabric and she started to help me to sew. So I would then go there once a week and do some volunteering and then sit down for about an hour or so and and she would show me some techniques. So that was brilliant.
0: How lovely. And great to be able to do that in a a time when she couldn't do what she was typically doing in her business. But how lovely that she turned that into an opportunity for people bringing the scrubs to one place.
1: Yeah, it was amazing. She had hundreds of people sewing and she did a fantastic job. She has some seamstresses there and they make amazing designer clothes for her designer in London. And they do all sorts of wonderful alterations. And she did teach me to do basic alterations, which was where I started to learn about making alterations to my own clothes or other people's (laughs) who asked me.
0: And so just remind me, you've not been saying very long, have you? Let's just recap. I just want, because there's so much that you've covered in the last few years and it's only been a few years, hasn't it? It has.
1: I started with the patchwork in 2015, and then I think it was the 22nd of March 2020 when the Prime Minister said that we all had to stay in and, and make scrubs. That was when I started dressmaking.
0: So I just wanted to say to the listeners, there's no excuse. So that's two years, and look how much Mel's managed to do in two years, more than I've done probably in the last 10. It's just really a case of having a go, isn't it?
1: Yes, and making time. It's now a hobby, but everyone else was making banana bread and painting their fences. (laughs) (laughs) As a family, we were making scrubs. In fact, I put a trestle table up in the kitchen on legs so it was the right height for cutting, and that was there for 18 months. And my husband's always wanted an island in the kitchen, and I always said, no, 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 it's always nice to have a big kitchen. But now we do have a permanent island in the kitchen and he's got one cupboard at the side to put his special pans and things like that because he's a chef and then the rest of it I've got some lovely drawers and all my tools so the rest of it's mine.
0: (laughs) From where the trestle table was is that where that is now?
1: Yes yeah (laughs) and that's my cutting table and planning so that I could be planning and doing things whilst the family are around in and out. Yeah, Yeah how lovely. Another thing I would say to people is when you are looking at a pattern, just go online and search tutorials for that pattern. Go on to YouTube because more often than not, you will find somebody doing a tutorial and that's that's really good to be invaluable.
0: Yeah, that's a very good tip. There is such a lot of help out there, isn't there? Even if it's just to give you an overview of how to put things together. I think written instructions are okay, but sometimes it's hard to interpret when you're trying to write the instructions themselves. I think it's quite hard to get everything down. So it's a great tip. So yeah, I mean, loads of great stuff there for anybody listening and wanting to get started. And you are an inspiration. I I thought that from the first time (laughs) with Connectives. And there's so much that you're doing. There's one thing that I did want to cover with you before we wrap up and that was, you mentioned to me about a sewing project that you've got coming up. Do you want to share a bit more about that?
1: Yes, yeah, I'm really excited actually because Linda taught me to sew and obviously the people I've mentioned online on the tutorials and my friend Rachel and something that's on my heart is to teach other people to sew. We have a project close by to us which is called the Lighthouse and that's based in Broking. My husband and I actually serve a Community lunch there once a week to people who are homeless or low income or just want some company. They're they're struggling in life, so we do the lunch there. And I would love to be able to teach sewing. I've got two different avenues. One is to teach people sewing so that it's an outlet for their creativity or to make them feel like they've made something worthwhile or just they've switched off from their dreary everyday mundane lives, maybe. Just to spark their creativity, or maybe just to get them chatting with other people. And the other thing I'm planning to do is to start doing alterations, helping people to alter their clothes, which maybe for their kids are too short, too long, too big, too small. They just want to jazz something up with pom poms or patches and things like that. I had an idea the other day actually to take a small group to the charity shop actually and help them pick out things which are fantastic fabrics suits them but it doesn't fit them so maybe by purchasing that and either showing or doing the alteration and just gives them a bit of a
0: boost yeah i just what to look for and how to pick good things that would stand up to being altered i think that's a really good idea yeah and the other in fact there's three arms to it um, <laughs> they just new ones sprouting every minute yeah there are lots <laughs> of ideas going on
1: but a lot of the people that we serve are living in hostels or in bed and breakfasts. A lot of them have got kids living with them. And I was just thinking if they could just make something to brighten up where they're living, a couple of cushions or some bunting or a lampshade, it might make them feel like it was a little bit more of a home.
0: I think it does make a difference, doesn't it? When you've got something that you've made or brought into that environment, I think it's lovely. So we're hoping to do that in the lighthouse, House. And another place
1: that we are going to open up is at the Guildford Refugee Centre. So people are living there. They're living in a converted hotel, actually, in a hotel room. So they've come from all over the world and they have nothing. A lot of them have left their homes overnight. They've had to leave everything and come here. So again, it's the same sorts of things, making it seem like home. Some of them can sew, actually, but they just don't have the equipment or the fabric.
0: They've not got access to any tools or basics.
1: Yeah, and they don't have a machine. So we're hoping to provide a room one morning a week where they can come and sew, or indeed we can teach them. And when I say we, I'm talking about my friend Rachel again. (laughs) (laughs) She'll be with me. Fantastic. So we have had some donations, and people have been quite generous in our local area. We do have some fabric and... I've been donated some old machines. In fact, with the fabric, some of it's new, some of it's been in people's stashes and whatever. But I did spend a couple of weeks washing and ironing and folding the fabric just so that people could have that experience that we have when we buy new fabrics and opening something, looking at it, it's got nice straight edges. So I wanted them to have that experience. But we are looking for more donations of fabric. And I have heard about something called De-Stash Your Stash. Yeah. And I'm thinking if anyone's looking to de-stash their stash for it to go to a, a good home, then we would gratefully receive any donations. And machines as well, if anyone has the spare cash to help us. We have been donating five second second-hand machines. Some of them are very old. They're all still sewn, so they would be fine. But it would be nice to have a couple of more updated machines.
0: well you can just put the intention out there to the universe and i'm sure the listeners if they know people or if they have a machine that they're upgrading their own and theirs is in good nick because quite often we go for a newer machine there's nothing necessarily wrong with our old one but it would be great for that to go to a good home wouldn't it so yeah yeah. think about that if you're in that position as well yeah there's one more
1: thing i just wanted to say when i was talking about the refugee center i did do a little sewing project there bunting and There was a little girl who came along. I did say that they had to be 11 or over, and she said she was 10, but she was so keen and she'd never sewn before. So I had the honor of showing her how to sew in a straight line, how to thread a needle, how to hold the fabric. And it was just so rewarding because that little girl now she knows how to sew. She'll remember me as the lady who taught her to do running stitch and sew a little bit of bolting.
0: And she's on a podcast in the future. You'll be you'll be listed in her list of inspirational people, ain't you? Oh, that would be nice. And I think it's such an empowering skill. It allows you to create so many things. And to be able to introduce that to youngsters is, is amazing. So it's great the yeah. work that you're doing.
1: And once you can sew, you can do anything with sewing. You can make bags. You can make pouches. You can make rucksacks. You can make picnic bags. You can make coats, jeans, which fit you. And if you're going to a wedding or something, instead of spending a couple of hundred pounds on a a dress, you can make your own and have the pleasure of making it as well.
0: Yeah, or alter something that you've seen that you want to get to fit you, like you say, it crosses those boundaries as well, doesn't it?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Fabulous. So in terms of getting in touch with you, Mel, I'll include the details in the show notes, but just tell people the best way to reach you if they want to chat with you about making donations or more about your project.
1: Well, you can find me on Facebook, Melanie King. You could contact the Lighthouse in Woking directly. They have a big presence in Woking. So if you just search up the Lighthouse they'll be able to get in touch with me. And I do have an Instagram page.
0: Fantastic. Well, it's been absolutely delightful to speak to you, Mel. There's definitely more to your story. And we haven't touched on a few of the things that we've also covered as we've been chatting. So if you're up for it, I'd love to do another chat with you. Any last things you want to leave the listeners with before we wrap up?
1: So we talked about lots of different things, but something that is on my heart that I still would like to talk about is how I've struggled with an eating disorder over the years and how dressmaking and sewing in general helped me get back to health and has and given me a focus again. So that's something to talk about in the future.
0: Yeah, and it is an amazing story and it is something that I would like to chat more with you about with the listeners. So yeah, so thank you for sharing that. I think that would be great. Just a real pleasure to chat with you and I still can't get over how much you've done in two years of sewing it's crazy so yeah thank you so much so I hope you've enjoyed this episode everybody and I look forward to catching up with you again next time. Well that's it for this episode thank you so much for listening check out the show notes in the description area of your podcast app and click to follow or subscribe or head over to sewmindful.com forward slash podcast which is s-e-w-m-i-n-d-f-u-l dot com where you can also sign up for an email reminder so that you don't miss out on any juicy episodes. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, then please help others find us by leaving a review if you love this episode. And I'm always excited to find out what you got from the episode and how you plan to use the tips. And finally, if you have a question, feedback or a topic you'd like me to investigate, then you can also email me at hello at so much more fun.co.uk. So until next time, stay gorgeous and have so much more fun. Thank you.